Welcome everybody to the Diecast Movie Podcast. For this episode, we have a special interview brought to you by my dad. Take it away, Dad. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Diecast Movie Podcast. And I'm at the Monster Bash Convention on October 14th, 2022. I'm having a great time. Also, I'm running into two people that I've seen at Monster Bash year after year for the last several years. You know them as Drac and Countess Claretta, but I know them as Bob and Stephanie. How are you guys doing today? We're doing, doing good, good, Steve. Awesome, awesome. I mean, you've been coming to Monster Bash since, what, 2019? Yes. Yeah, we started coming uh, the year I was inducted into the Horror Host Hall of Fame. Uh, well, Drac was inducted. That's right, doggone. Don't forget me. I thought this was supposed to be my interview. Drac, quiet. You're telling the Prince of Darkness to be quiet? Why, you peasant? You'll have to excuse him. He's, you know. It's morning. Yeah. <laughs> And he's not used to mornings, you know, Drax not. But yeah, we started coming in 2019, and I think this is our fourth actual bash. I think so. And we also did the, uh, we did two of the Canton events where they're film festivals. We did the Vincent Price and, of course, the Bela Lugosi yeah. film festival. I finally got were... to see Bela on the big screen. That was a big thrill in Dracula. Yeah, I, I missed going to that conference where they had the movies i was at the vincent price one with victoria price mm-hmm. and you guys and everything and it is nice when you finally get to see some of these movies that we only had the opportunity to see on tv screens to finally see them on the big screen and yeah. get to enjoy it the way it was meant to be seen yeah at that one victoria price was your first interview wasn't she yes she was yeah. and <laughs> we were like sitting about eight feet away from you yeah when you were back in that alcove interviewing victoria you did an amazing job. I thought, this guy is a pro. He's been doing this for decades. And you told me later, oh, that was my first interview. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. She was, she was the very first one. And then Elizabeth Shepard was the second one. And then at the Monster Bash in 2019, mm-hmm. Donnie Dunnigan and Victoria Reskin mm-hmm. were like the, the third. And Bill Diamond were third, uh, third fourth, and fifth. So wow. it's, just, it's just fun. You get there and people will say yes, as you guys know, because you've had people on your show like Beverly Washburn and yeah. things like that. And it's nice when you have them there and you get to talk about their career. I love that Spider Baby episode from Transylvania Tonight. <laughs> she was so sweet. And I got to tell you, it's, it's been very rare for somebody to say no. And Stephanie always asks, how long have you known these people? Because I'll just walk up to somebody and say, come with me. And I'll sit them down and interview them. And I said, I've never met them before, you know. But I just, like, snag them and drag them in. Especially that uh, first Monster Bash we did in uh, June of 19. And he was just going through the the lobby, pointing at people, literally, and, and motioning them to come back to the room so he could interview them. And I, I would have thought that he knew all these people, the way he was talking to them and acting with them. No, he never met most of them. Well, the secret, I think, is from looking at it from a third-party perspective, yeah. it's the cape and the, and, so. and the beckoning glance <laughs> and the motion. Come. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it. but, you know, that wasn't Bob. That was me. Quiet. I told you. This is my interview. Your interview? Well, who are you, you poser? Sorry about that. It's okay. We understand you. <laughs> See, you save a lot of money on therapy by having these interviews, don't you, Stephanie? Yeah, right. yeah, he gets to come to these, and he gets to have his voices all come out. Yeah. And as, you, as you're listening, as you're hearing listeners, he there's Lon Chaney, who's the man of a thousand faces, and Bob is the man of a thousand voices. Sometimes he just goes old school and does a couple of different jacks. Yes. Which jack were you talking about, Steve? Well, I was talking about that one, and I'm talking about another one. who. Well, plays of the course, there's that other Jack that you might say is even older school, but we know he's only 39. That's true. The perennial 39. <laughs> I, I got a kick out of the last Monster Bash because Patrick Wayne was there. Looked at and saw Patrick Wayne and, well, how you doing? And he said, don't quit your day job. <laughs> but he did laugh when he heard me talking to Beverly because Beverly Washburn, what a sweetheart. And she had done, uh, as a child, a live television broadcast with Jack Benny. 
And I told her, I said, I'm so mad at you because I understand there's only one degree of separation between me and Jack Benny when I'm talking to you. And he heard that and he started laughing. And every time he walked by our table, he would like mention the Jack Benny or look over and smile and say something about it. And then later on, I had him roaring because there was a, another actor that I'm sure he knew because he did films with his dad. You know, he did several John Wayne films. And that was when I started doing Walter Brennan, you know. And, and he heard that and he started laughing and, and I started calling for Pepina and Cassie to come and, and meet him because I told him I'd been up and down the Red River with Patrick's daddy. And that's what you get when you ever go by his table and, and, and you're at the Monster Bass Chiller Theater, uh, whatever convention. You're at a lot of different conventions and shows. If you go to the table, you get to hear who knows what voice will come next. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know who you're going to meet. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, this has been like a wild ride the last three years. You know, of course, we had the plague in the middle that shut everything down. But getting back on the horse here uh, this year and moving forward, well, it started last year because we did Akron Comic Con, mm-hmm. which is a, a decent convention. They'll they'll draw three or four thousand people to that comic convention, and in September, uh, we were guests at Horror Hound in Cincinnati. That's a big convention. Uh, this is our third Monster Bash event this year, including the film festival, mm-hmm. the Lugosi Festival, and we're going to finish up Halloween season by doing Chiller in Precipiti, New Jersey, which is just a massive show, and I look at the guest list, and I'm wondering how we ever got on it, because it's just amazing. You know, Christy Brinkley, Cheech Marin, D. Wallace and Henry Thomas from E.T., and I mean, it just goes on. There are like over 100 guests. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, first weekend in November, which I shouldn't remind Stephanie, because she gets kind of like anxious about doing a lot of shows, but after yeah. we do Chiller, we uh, the next weekend we also have... Uh, Akron Comic Con again. So they invited us back. They had us there once and they invited us back, Steve. <laughs> well, really, it was an invitation by mistake, I'm sure. You know? <laughs> They're like, oh, wait a minute. We sent it to Cap, not Drac. We met the other guy. <laughs> you know, I get that a lot. I told you to keep quiet. Now, you know, I'm going to let Steve know what I really think about you if you keep it up. That's true. We might have breaking news. This could be this could be a first. We might get how Drac really feels about Bob or how Bob feels about Drac. Who will win? Who will triumph? Jack Benny. <laughs> we don't have to worry about Drac, though, because I brought a cross. Don't cross me. No. Be careful. It might be a double cross. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> but it, it all did start with just you coming to convention. You started... Back in, what, 1987 on the Drac and Frank show? Yeah, uh, well, it was Frank and Drac. Frank and Drac. Yeah, well, I'll, I look at it as the I'll, personally, I'll, personally. I'll take top billing. I, I like top. I, sure. I mean, you're here with me. You get top billing. Well, actually, I I'd, I'd worked in theater for years. That's what my degree was in, performance arts. Uh, right out of college, the day of my graduation, I was auditioning already with the Great Lakes Shakespeare Festival uh, in the Cleveland area. And uh, that's Cleveland, Ohio, not Cleveland, Georgia. And that's the same uh, theatrical troupe that Tom Hanks came out of. And in fact, when we did Horror Hound, uh, I had done a lot of theater, Actors Theater of Louisville, Great Lakes Shakespeare Festival. And there were people at Horror Hound that were in John Carpenter's The Thing, Peter Maloney and Tom Waits. And walked up to Peter Maloney and said, I'm going to test your memory. And he looked at me. It's like, uh, where do I know you from? I said, I, I assistant directed a show for you at the Actors Theater of Louisville in 19... 19- <laughs> and, uh, and then Tom Waits was an interesting story. If you remember Tom Waits from, let's see, I think he was in Al Pacino's Injustice for All. He was the kid that gets shot. And he was in The Thing and The Warriors. Uh, Tom was at the Shakespeare Festival that year. And... The first year I was at the festival, I had great parts. The second year, the plays that they were doing that summer had younger casts. So the, uh, the artistic director had hired a bunch of young actors 
So I was pretty much relegated second year going there as being like a spear carrier. And uh, there were these New York actors coming in to do all the... So I understudied several parts. And one of them was Tom Waits in Titus Andronicus. And I was understudying several other parts. And the day of the preview for Titus Andronicus, which was going to preview to like an audience of over 3,000 people, you know, this, this auditorium we were in was huge. We're all putting on makeup, and somebody said, so do you have your understudy lines down for Titus, you know, for you know, Chiron? And I said, nah, I've concentrated on the other ones, because look at Tom, he's healthy as a horse. Steve, not more than a minute later, Tom Waits came into the dressing room holding his back. He couldn't stand up straight. He had been out at a high school giving a seminar on Shakespeare, and did a scene from one of the shows where he was a clown and did a tumble and had pulled every muscle in his back. And I had to go on that night in a Shakespearean play with eight hours to prepare. And that, that was fun. So that's the kind of background I come out of. That predates doing like TV. But it, then uh, Frank and Drac, back in 87, we went on the air. That was fun. I couldn't believe, though, when I was told three years ago I was on the ballot, the Horror Host Hall of Fame, that anybody even remembered it. And I found out that over the decades since that show had aired, there was a cult following. There were people that collected the shows, and, and not just Frank and Drac. They collect horror hosted shows, and they would trade them back and forth. And when guys kept telling me this, and they said, well, yeah, we'll take like, VCRs to conventions and we'll have after hour parties where we get drunk and get high and watch old horror hosted shows I said well if I'd known that I would have shown up and done them in your room for nothing you know maybe a cup of coffee and a slice of pizza or something you know that's the thing is um I know when I grew up I had two horror hosts one in the Baltimore area and one in the DC area so I was able to get both ghost host and Count Gourdival and it, you grow up watching them and enjoying what they're doing and stuff like that. It adds a lot of fun to the movie. One was more serious and one was more comedic. So I was able to get the yin and the yang of the different hosts. Is Ghost Host still doing it? I think Ghost Host passed away. Well, that uh, would make him a real ghost, right? Yeah, so if he's still doing it, he's doing it to a select audience, and I can't see it. <laughs> because Count Gore is still active. Yes, he's. Mm-hmm. Got, I think he's got next year will be his 50th. Year. Yeah. Wow. And he's actually uh, a member of our Facebook page, the official Drac fan page. For those of you listening who would like to keep up on what Drac and Karita are doing, join Drac and Karita on the official Drac fan page on Facebook. But, <laughs> you know, I, I try to keep the page uh, kind of like a, a clubhouse feel to it. And so anybody that comes in, you know, if they're writers, artists, people that have other shows, I tell them, post it on our page. Make, you know, they can make our page like a one-stop to see what's going on in, in horror fandom and what people are watching and reading. And yeah, and he, every week, posts something about what he's doing online mm-hmm. and uh, his show and what, who his guests are and reviews and the movies he's showing. Mm-hmm. He's a nice guy, Dick yes, Dazelle. Yeah, and I, got, I had the fortune of interviewing him oh. earlier this year, and it was really nice. And it was, what can you say? I mean, I think mm-hmm. a lot of the horror hosts, I mean, a lot of people, do, I'll put it this way people that do my show are usually nice people. Because, yeah. because well, we'll change that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know Stephanie's nice, guaranteed. So oh, thank <laughs> you. it all depends what personality Bob's channeling That's at it. the time that yeah. I have to work. <laughs> we've, only, we've only uncovered. How many personalities have you uncovered from him so far, Stephanie? All right. Well, I have to tell at least an abbreviated story. Here comes here. the bathroom story. The bath- <laughs> bathroom. The, yeah. Don't make me mute you, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Only on chilly night. No. <laughs> okay. So I had just met Bob not too long ago at this point. And we'd been talking on the phone periodically. So I call him up one night for one of our late night chats, and he's in the bathtub. And so we're talking, and all of a sudden he says, hang on. And I hear this voice. Seems far away. Yeah, you do it. (laughs) Excuse me. 
would you mind if I take a bath with you? Because, you know, Randy's out of town shooting a movie, and I'm so lonely. <laughs> Would it be okay if I got in the tub with you? Yeah, so Cary Grant joined in on this bath. And then a little while later, who was it second? Was it the Duke? Was it John Wayne? Well, you know, I've been out on the range yeah. for a while. I sure could use a... <laughs> A good hot bath. Would you mind if I get in and scrub my hide? Patrick Wayne was right. Don't, yeah, don't look at that. Was that a bad John Wayne? No, no, it's better than mine. <laughs> I'm just, that's going for the line. So. Plus, you have to understand, we haven't been up long, so, you know. No. I haven't gained my, like, my voice yet for the day. No. So, Cary Grant joined in on this bath. And then John Wayne, and then Walter Brennan. Yeah, well, because we've been on a ride up, up to the Red River, and we're awfully sweaty and we're dusty, and we need to like rinse off and scoot over there. So, and then I think, uh, let's see, Groucho Marx joined in, and W. C. Fields, and just on and on and on. Bogart showed up, but he wouldn't get in the bath. <laughs> Bogart's not going to take a bath with any guys. You know what I'm saying, pal? I hear you, Vavit. I hear you. Sure. And there was even commercials. He even ran a commercial during this bath conversation. Bob's bath is being brought to you by your friends at Ralston Purina. <laughs> I, I think it's understandable when I, I tell you that uh, the first time I was going to come up and meet Bob for the first time in person... I actually had a thought go through my head that the house was going to be awfully busy and, and full of people milling around because I'd, every time I would talk to him pretty much, Laurel and Hardy would show up, Cary Grant would get on the phone, you know, on and on and on. So, yes. And, yes, he is like this all the time, the voices going in and out of characters. It's all the time. As long as the voices are for the powers of good, yes, not evil. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and so far they are. So... So far. So far. <laughs> oh, gosh, she said that. A little caveat there at the end. <laughs> you never play your trump card in advance. No. <laughs> well, you always got to keep them guessing, too. That's right. Yes. And and wanting more. You always want to leave them wanting more. You don't want to play everything because then it's, it's, what else you got? And you're like, mm -hmm. I, I, I did all my tricks. It's like, oh, <laughs> dang it. <laughs> now, eventually, the two of you got together and started doing Transylvania tonight. But before I talk about Transylvania tonight, we talked about a little bit about your history. But Stephanie has an interesting history that ties in with movies with a certain director. Yes, D.W. Griffith. Many call him the father of silent film because he was one of the very first uh, to go out to California and set up these very primitive sets start making, well, they were short films, and then he started doing epic films like Intolerance, much debated Birth of a Nation, and Hearts of the World, and uh, D.W. Griffith was my grandmother's cousin. He's my cousin four times removed because of the generation difference, but I believe that would make my grandmother's grandmother was also his... They were first lineage. cousins, right? Yes. 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 Your great-great-grandmother was first cousin yes. with D.W. Griffith. Thank you for helping me out sure. with this because I it, it can get kind of confusing. If you'd like to know more about D.W. Griffith, <laughs> ask your teacher or your librarian. Yeah, right. And speaking of librarians, a cool thing is her grandmother uh, actually went to Griffith's funeral. Yes, she did. When he passed away in the late 40s. And she told me about seeing Lillian Gish and Mary Pickford. Who else? Chaplin. Chaplin. <clears throat> Douglas yes. Fairbanks. Was he there? I think Doug Fairbanks may have been there. Yeah. I was trying to think. There was somebody else that she had mentioned, too. But I know Mary Pickford and Lillian Gish were, were mentioned. And so that was neat. And... When my, my grandmother passed away in uh, 2015, after she passed away, my grandfather gave me the copy of D.W. Griffith's biography that uh, I had gifted to her many years before. 
And uh, so I finally was getting to read a little bit more about D.W. Griffith because I may be related to him, but I, I really haven't gotten to research a whole lot aside from what my grandmother had told me through mm-hmm. stories about going to his funeral and things that her uh, mother and, and relatives had told her about him. I'm reading through the biography, and I see she'd made notes on the edges of several pages correcting the information. There was one story in particular. I think it was Griffith's mother had uh, started to put Griffith and his siblings through college. She had started selling eggs and cheese and things like that, trying to raise some funds to send them to school. And my grandmother underlined the word butter and said she never sold butter. She only sold eggs. So it was just little (laughs) things like that. And in the back of the book, she had uh, put the actual newspaper clippings when he passed away and uh, several other vintage uh, clippings pertaining to Birth of a Nation or Lillian Gish, things like that. It's, it's kind of good when you get to read the book and your grandmother was like the stealth editor that they, they never got exactly. a chance to do prior to publishing. And so yes. she was able to put the, the personal notes yes. and edit. No, this didn't happen. This happened in mm-hmm. this way. It's like, oh, how could I could just imagine when she's probably reading it. Like, how could they get this so wrong? Oh, exactly. <laughs> and she was very close to, I would say, everyone in her family. They were very close knit. And there was a lot of stories shared back and forth over the years. And so she definitely knew, knew what was what. <laughs> what a great phrase, stealth editor. <laughs> yeah. Because, well, I mean, really, who else is going to know about it except for the person who reads that particular book? Right. So you talk about doing it under, you know, mm-hmm. under secrecy. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie reads a lot of showbiz biographies. And yes, I do. Yeah, she's I love them. Constantly, you know, if, if I'm stuck for what to get her, I go to Amazon and look at what new biographies are out. And the older the actor or director, the better. We have uh, a box set of George Melius shorts, mm-hmm. and she'll actually get misty-eyed watching his first shorts from 1896 Yes, on, like, a 65-inch high-definition 4K TV. She's like, what would what would George Melius think? Uh-huh. Knowing that 130 years later, somebody's still watching his films? Uh-huh. In their homes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or now these people watch it almost anywhere where they can travel. You know, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean they're getting the great quality of picture, but... That's the beauty of technology nowadays. It's things are being utilized in ways that nobody ever knew before, which yeah. the two of you are taking advantage of with Transylvania tonight because you are all over the world. We are. Yes. <laughs> we are. Uh, yeah. And what happened was when I was inducted, uh, Halloween Jack from the Monster Channel got in touch and said, why don't you do new shows for our channel? We'd like to have you do new shows. And I said, well, I don't know. Well, Stephanie said, you should do it. You should do it. You should do it. Well, I thought you should do it, too. You know, doggone it. (laughs) Quiet. So she kept saying, do it. And I said, I'll only do it if you do it with me. Because Drac, oh, there he goes. He finally mentions me. Drac uh, needs a foil to work off of. And she said, okay, I'll do it, you know. And, well, then I was kind of. Much to your dismay. (laughs) I was being painted into a corner. And I said, well, if we do it, uh, we need to have a set. So we'd have to gut the rec room and build a set. And I woke up the next morning, and there was no carpet in the rec room. She had, like, Uh tore it down in the basement down to, like, the concrete floor. And we had trips to make to Home Depot to get lumber. Yeah. That was the fun part for me. I was going to say, come now, come clean, Bob. You know, the best sound in the world when you're sleeping, you hear somebody else doing the job. Shh. Oh, he would, he would agree with that. Definitely, shh, yes. Shh, Steve, shh, quiet. Greg told me to put that in. <laughs> See, I told you I'd get you back. You are just a pest. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. And you're not, what, did you get up on the wrong side of the coffin this morning? I think so. So <laughs> what happened, you know, uh, we, we shoot out of our, our basement doing the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got, uh, like, 
mid-grade. It's not like consumer-grade. It's not professional. They call it prosumer-grade camera equipment, 4K. And we actually do a better show out of our basement now, better looking technically, than we did back in the 80s in a television station, in a television studio. It's amazing what's happened with digital, both, you know, all, all of it. And it's, mm-hmm. it's so sensitive as far as lighting goes. We're able to light our set. People will mention like, oh, we love the pools of color because we'll have splashes of blue or yeah. creepy green across the set. And that's all done with just like desk lamps that came from Bed Bath & Beyond. And in fact, when we went to get them, they were already, it was like they'd had their after sc- or back to school sales. So the desk lamps we got were even in remainder, the remainder section. Right. So our lighting instruments cost like $2 a piece, you know, <laughs> and we put LED bulbs in them. And the digital camera is so sensitive, it looks like they're being lit with, you know, theatrical lighting equipment. Mm-hmm. And even though we shoot on four in 4K, when I send the show file over to the channel, that file, the 4K file is so large, I actually have to, uh, I guess the word, downgrade it to high definition just so they can run it on YouTube or there's, a, there's another page they... Uh, sometimes run our show through but i actually have to make it less (laughs) less of a file just so they can run it so that's the problem sometimes with technology sometimes you're you're one level and the technology you're dealing with other people is at a different level and then you have to balance everything out Mm -hmm. well you know the the beauty you still got the masters yes yes i always save the 4k file the secret of finding that balance you know what it is steve what is it, Bob? Well, to be able to keep up with technology and stay on top of it and be cutting edge, marry a woman that's 30 years younger than you. You know, if you do that, okay? Because <laughs> Stephanie grew up, like, taking computer classes in school and stuff, you know? When I was, like, in school, we were, we were writing on pieces of slate, you know? Slate, that's so, what I yeah. <laughs> you're using You're using, like, little ink blots and all that yeah. stuff. and yeah. Yeah, and done and dusted, you know, when you finished writing the letter, you had to powder it down and like, yeah. yeah when, when the Frank and Drax show were on in 1987, I was graduating high school that year. She was a month <laughs> old. <laughs> Stephanie was a month old the night Frank and Drax went on the true. air. That's true. <laughs> but Transvania Tonight, which I find what I like about it is it doesn't just stick with horror. You guys have other genres on there. You have Buster Keaton mm-hmm. movies. You'll have um, Ab- uh, Abbott and Costello. You'll have other things on there mm-hmm. that people can gravitate towards. Our first movie we showed was actually a British drama. It was Gaslight. And it was uh, Gaslight had been made in England a couple of years before the Charles Boyer and Ingrid Bergman version. Mm-hmm. And when MGM decided to make the movie, uh, they bought the English film hook, line, and sinker, they bought it just to destroy every copy of it so it could never be compared to their version of Gaslight that they were going to do. Mm-hmm. What they didn't know was that the author of the play Gaslight was based on had been given a copy of a print of the film as like a commemoration of doing the film, and that copy of Gaslight, the British version, had been in his attic since 1940, and was uncovered at some point in the 80s. So that was the first film we showed was Gaslight. Mm-hmm. And uh, then uh, Place of One's Own, I believe, another British. Uh, was that Gaumont? Or yeah. No, Gainsborough. Gainsborough? A James Mason Ghost Story. Yes. Uh, we've shown uh, Sherlock Holmes films. Mm-hmm. Uh, silent comedies. Stephanie does a great job with scoring comedies because even if the film's in public domain... Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't depend on the music having fallen into public domain. So she'll use the silent images, which belong to the world at this point, and she'll arrange uh, a, a new musical score over it. First one she did was The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, and it was just masterful. When I watched it, my jaw dropped. There's a scene where the hero comes walking down the steps from a police station, and she had the music timed 
with every step he took him. And I said, man, that's amazing. She said that was an accident. <laughs> Believe it or not, really, there are so many times, and I've done a half dozen or more silent films, I think, for the show. I think. But you would be amazed how many times. It's just an accident. It's, it's just the music just happens to line up perfectly. And maybe the tone of the music changes the emotion of the music changes right at the point that the scene actually changes too so i'm very fortunate that that happens so much because it makes my job a little easier <laughs> and what's really fun is like she's done we've done caligari uh you did the general the general she did a great job with yes i've done some uh lon cheney senior we've done uh, he who gets slapped uh, Unholy Three. The Unknown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It'll be on Halloween night, which I think will have already aired by the time yes. this, this runs. Uh, but Safety Last, when she did the Harold Lloyd film, mm-hmm. she was able at that point, now public domain is moving forward, 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 where she could actually start to pick now music from that era and getting all of these really cool jazz instrumentals to put underneath Harold Lloyd's film. And I I just love the music from the 20s. And so getting to go on YouTube, and you were talking about the technology, YouTube has been such a huge benefit to me, being able to watch all the movies that I wouldn't have gotten to watch otherwise, and now getting to find the uh, actual recordings from the 20s and getting to use them in the films that we show on uh, Transylvania Tonight. Mm -hmm. And and see, Steve, like I told you, she has an appreciation for old things. That's why I married you. (laughs) You beat me to it. (laughs) And that's that's why... She stole your line. (laughs) That's why our relationship works, because I'm a man-child and she's an old soul. So it balances out. Life is always about the balance, the yin and the yang, That's everything it. hitting that per- perfect harmony. Yes. Are you calling me a yin-yang? <laughs> well, I can't think of anybody that deserves it more. Get back in your box. <laughs> he's just upset that you didn't keep the show going earlier and that he would have had more time. That's the thing he's upset about. And probably. Yeah. <laughs> I, I he's a ham. Him. Yeah, I hear him. Oh, yeah. He's, I, I, I can almost see him looking at you and giving a Zerbert. Oh, I can feel it. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, it's the way it is. You know, you have to treat drag with more respect. I hope you heard that. Yeah, 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 yeah. How do you, who comes up with the uh, the skits? Who's the brainchild for the little scenarios and that kind of stuff? Bob writes, I would say, 98%. I'll, I'll get an idea in there every so often, and he'll get to build from some little silly thing that I mention while we're watching a movie or eating dinner or something, but... Uh, Bob is the the brains of the operation in that respect. <laughs> well, actually, I don't know about brains. I sit around and I try to think of stupid things, and if the, if it's so stupid it makes me laugh, I write it down. That's what that's what it is. There, there are a lot of people that dissect like this horror genre, horror hosting genre, and well, when you do this, and it's like you know, and it's like no, you know, I'll. Just come up with a stupid idea. Sometimes uh, I'll get maybe a half dozen of them in a row, and I end up sending myself messages in Messenger so I don't forget the idea. I probably have like a dozen or more in my phone right now where I've had an idea and I send it to myself. And when it comes time to put together a show and I start cobbling it together. And we have uh, some uh, running things that we do, like uh, our Renfield, okay? Uh, Renfield, who I, I think his true identity is kept in anonymity for reasons. I think he's wanted in like New Mexico or something. Uh, just kidding, Renfield. Uh, <laughs> he'll generally open the show with, you know, you're watching Transylvania tonight with Drac and Countess Carita. And then we have Carita does a, a bit at the window. And a lot of times it's a backhanded insult toward Drac, and Drac reacts. <laughs> By the way, if anybody saw our Halloween show, uh, my opening bit, I, I do my nude scene. I have a nude scene in that one, which, you know, as, as long as 
It's important to the story. I don't mind doing a nude scene. Tastefully filmed yes. and colored. Yes. And yes. You know, close set, I'm sure. That's it. <laughs> Renfield, no, get away. So, right. Renfield is a fun story because the way we met him, and Mark and his wife Diana are like the MVPs of the show. Uh, I can like run something by him and say, could you do this? And it's done, you know? And the way that happened was, again, three years ago at Horror Hound when I was inducted, Karina and I were walking through the halls, and he stopped us because there we were in costume, and he said, do you mind if I take a picture? And I said, you can take it on one condition. You join our page and post it. And he said, okay. And then I think a couple months in October, October of that year, I think so. we did Goulardi Fest yeah, yeah. in Cleveland, uh, which you know you were talking about your horror hosts. My first one, of course, was Ernie Anderson, Goulardi. Hey, group, 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 group. Uh, <laughs> so he stopped us, asked us, and then showed up at Gallardi Fest. I'm looking at him, and, you know, a big guy, you know, kind of burly looking, rugged beard and everything. And I said, hey, how would you like to be Renfield on our show? And he said, okay. So he's he's been, like, doing Renfield for the last three years for us. So it's stuff like that. It's like coming up with, like, what kind of stupid thing can I have Renfield do this time, you know? He's chased down a rainbow, uh, followed a rainbow to get a, a leprechaun's pot of gold. Uh, he's gone to Antarctica looking for aliens. And what else if I had poor Renfield to scale a building for safety say, last? scaled a building. Yeah, to show that Harold yes. Lloyd really could have done it. Which, you know, Harold Lloyd didn't do that. He didn't climb that building. And I had a history teacher in high school who talked about silent films for like a day in class, you know, talking about media and the history of media in the early 20th century. And he said, Harold Lloyd had been paid a million dollars to scale that building in safety last, but it was worth it because if he had, if he had made a mistake, it, he would have died. He was never more than like 10 feet off the ground. And what they would do is build, and I, I kind of figured this when I was a kid too in high school, they had built fragmented sets which were like half of one floor, a full floor, and half of another. And they just put them on skyscrapers around Los Angeles. And he would like climb that section of set. And the way they framed it, it looked like he was climbing the building. Which, you know, I wish I could go back now and talk to that history teacher. Because it's like, okay, if he was climbing the building, where did they put the camera? And it's not like we were talking about today's cameras. Back then, cameras weighed hundreds of pounds, uh -huh. you know. And why does the background keep changing? When you look down the street in Harold Lloyd's Safety Last, the highest building behind him is two stories, but suddenly, you know, as he climbs, there are like 30-story 30, 30 skyscrapers behind him. But I digress. Thanks for just destroying the whole illusion there, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just thinking now, all the people are going to be like, oh, that's how he did it. I, was, I liked it before. You just... You just destroyed it for hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people join us next time and i'll tell you how darth vader really cut off luke skywalker's hand oh. <laughs> isn't there a tv show like adam ruins everything we should say you yes. know bob ruins everything yeah. <laughs> see yeah. i told you you ruin everything quiet and we'd have their number one fan in one of bob's personalities yes <laughs> <laughs> there's your spinoff series see there you go you could you everybody know. loves bob everybody well that's true but that's already taken oh. <laughs> so we could maybe call it everybody loves drac see i'm go. back in the act again all right all right yeah <laughs> and every episode could be you doing a different personality because it seems to be that endless be so fun. you'd be able to go on for at least like 20 seasons before it run out probably so <laughs> mm, i don't know about 20 seasons but maybe a season and a half well, it all depends how long each episode, how long the episode run for each season is. Yeah. Nowadays, they seem to be like, "Oh, we did three episodes. That's a season." That, or, yeah, yeah, right. Or it could be like you know a threes company where each personality is one of the roommates, but they're all living inside the same head. Oh my! You know? Or a frat house like Animal House, which is what the bath was like. Uh huh. So you could be the one in the apartment at Three's Company, and Stephanie could be the landlord <laughs> <laughs> that comes in, and it's like. Wait a minute. You know, like she sells, she rents the house. Like, and, and she, what is going on? Yeah. I can't, you're, but you were, you were Wilbur before and now you're Jack and now you're Bob and I, I'm just confused. How many people do you have in there? 
I'm going to raise your rent. <laughs> well, you haven't mentioned one of the characters that you play that almost everybody mentions when they meet us at these conventions and talk to us online. If you could see what Bob's doing right now, you would... <laughs> Sometimes I do Igor, you know. Igor steal bodies. They said. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, a, when I got the idea I wanted to do Igor, uh, we pulled up every photo of Jack Pierce putting the Igor makeup on Bela Lugosi. And once again, you know, the, the person that really is the spine of Transylvania tonight, she studied those photos and built that makeup for me and did it just like Jack Pierce did. And I've, I've shown photos of it to people, and it's like, or that people have seen the video, and they say, is that you? You know? She did an amazing job. Got a great wig from Amazon for like 20 bucks that looked like something a, a, a guy from a hair band in the 80s would have worn, you know? It was a little bit too blonde. So she even went online and found out, okay, if I soak it in coffee overnight, even mm -hmm. though it's like a, a synthetic fiber, it'll still like stain it. So it did. She stained yeah. it down to the crepe hair of the beard. And, mm -hmm. and now sometimes, Igor, he on the show, he has a, a comedy club down in the sulfur pits under the old lab. It's Igor's Comedy Cavern. And he tells stories about his girlfriend, Igrat. You know, a lot of guys, they like talk about their women so nice and thin, shapely. Igor, his girlfriend, Igrat, nothing skimpy about her. She's shaped like bowling ball. <laughs> and who not like bowling? Right, Steve? <laughs> Bowling's fun. You gotta love bowling. <laughs> are these voices working today? Are you talking yes. about duck? Yes. Are you talking about duck pens or ten pens? Uh huh. Ah. <laughs> I a... have to tell this story, Rook. Oh. One day, we were going to grocery store or someplace. We were in the car, and we'd been talking, and all of a sudden, Bob went quiet, and I look over. And his posture has changed to uh, something more similar to uh, Igor. Igor's posture. And another like minute or two went by, and he's just driving like that with his head <laughs> cocked over. And so I just sat there waiting because I knew he was coming up with an idea for his Igor. And uh, another minute or two, and out came Igor's voice, and he was... Bouncing ideas and jokes off me and all. You so know, you know he could have been having a stroke. <laughs> I never thought of that. <laughs> and here you're like, oh, I wonder what's going to come next. Yeah, the screams as the car goes off oh, the road. No. <laughs> it was probably something like, last week I take Ygrette to the zoo. A zookeeper throw her a fish, and she catch it <laughs> in her mouth. <laughs> Yeah, I needed a rim shot sound to go on. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, dang it, I, got, I need the rim shot button, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and let's mention another of uh, everyone's favorite characters that you do, our uh, news editor. Oh. You're drawing a blank here? <laughs> you, mean, you mean our, our news director? Yes, news, news director. Yeah. yeah. Droucho, the news director for the Borgo Pass Report with an editorial comment. I was thinking editorial. That's why I said yeah. editor. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, we do. Uh, I'll pick the bones of any old celebrity. <laughs> uh, yeah, if, even if I can only approximate the voice, you know. But I have fun with Droucho. And I he, don't ever want to be in a room with Droucho by myself. She doesn't. No, I don't. There are times she gets creeped out. She gets creeped out by Igor and Droucho. And me on occasion. No. Well, that makes sense since you are embodying those two, or they're embodying you. What? Whatever. Who knows what possession's going One on? One way or another. It could okay. be their spirits are taking over your body. This could be. This could I be spirits. Yeah, there we go. There you go. Yeah, everyone needs more spirits from time to time. Yeah. Now, Stephanie, you've done great artwork using Bob as a canvas, as for Igor and that kind of stuff. But Bob yeah. also does great artwork. Yes. That is available 
in poster form. Yes, at conventions, and you can even go on, uh, I have them listed on eBay. You can uh, purchase them if you can't uh, come out to any of the conventions that we do. We have five of his uh, monster paintings available uh, in 18 by 24 poster form. It's Dracula, Frankenstein, Creature from the Black Lagoon, Mr. Hyde, the Carice. Yeah, the mummy. mummy. Mm-hmm. The Tom Tyler mummy. And then we also have a poster of Drac and Carita, the Transylvania Tonight logo on the bottom. Yeah, another interesting story. When I was just getting to know Bob and uh, had been talking to him just a very short while, I was already Bela Lugosi devotee. I love Bela Lugosi. I have on my Bela Lugosi Famous Monsters of Filmland shirt. So I knew Bob liked artwork. I knew he was into the classic horror as I am. So, and I had collected all these fan images and portraits of Bela Lugosi. So one night I shared with him this painting that I thought was very good. And he typed back, that was my third canvas. I didn't know Bob was an artist. At that point, I don't even know if I really knew the whole horror hosting story. So needless to say, I was embarrassed that I had been talking to this man that was a great artist, and I had no idea until he informed me that that painting I had saved all those years in my little Bela Lugosi file on my laptop was actually one of his paintings. (laughs) Well, you have good taste. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and again, it's like, who writes this stuff? Well, you know, I think it's stupid stuff. So it's, it mainly feels like dabbling, and it's the same thing with artwork and same way with everything. And I had somebody who was in the music industry in Hollywood. He was the editor of Cashbox, Mag- uh, Cashbox Magazine uh, back in the 80s who saw something that I did and said, oh, you're an artist. And I said, I dabble. And he said, let me tell you, every artist I know feels like they're just dabbling. Anyway, I thought that was that was cool, but yeah, it was it was fun when she sent the can. I thought she knew I had painted the painting. No, I no, I didn't. And again, you can come and see us at conventions. We'll have the the posters, mm-hmm. you know, for a, a very cheap amount. You could like redo an entire room yeah, in in could. monster paintings, <laughs> or you can get in touch with Carita online at the official Drac fan page. Which, by the yes. way, the official Drac fan page. She named that page. I didn't. I would have been more humble. I don't like to have fans. I like to have friends. And that's how we met. That's mm-hmm. how we met. Well, we, yeah. we met, actually, the, I met, I met Stephanie because she had the Bella Lugosi thing. I met you at the convention, yeah. then became on the, um, the fan page. Yeah. So it was, it was here at the convention because mm-hmm. when, you meet, when you meet Bob and Stephanie in person, and they're all dressed to the nines in their get-ups, <laughs> and, of course, Bob's not really there. It's Drac. <laughs> That's right. You know, the, what do you mean? You know, and, oh, I'm just a clothes hanger, you know? Sure, I'm, I'm the one that puts on the talks. I'm the one that puts on the cape. Doggone it. Get yeah. it right, Steve. And he's the one that gets all It'll the guests that shows host. up on their show because Drac has that magnetism to bring them, uh-huh. bring them on. Uh-huh. Animal magnetism. <laughs> At least celebrity magnetism. It's some kind of magnetism. And Drac can play the kazoo. I don't know if Bob can, but I know Drac can. Doggone it, I forgot my kazoo oh, or we'd no. play something for you. No, I, you didn't forget it. I took it out of your pocket. You did? <laughs> yes. Oh, you didn't want me to show you up, huh? You no-talent piece of watch it. Well, that's what happens to them, I guess, every day. It must be an interesting when they're driving and they're having yeah. an argument and, you're just, and people are, I can imagine sitting at a red light, you're looking over and, and this guy's turning his head back and forward and, and like he's yelling at himself and <laughs> calming down and you'd be thinking, oh, I feel so sorry for the young lady over there. <laughs> this guy's having a mental breakdown. And, him, and she's just laughing. It's like, oh, no, they've all just lost it. <laughs> the inmates are running the asylum. <laughs> or you could be the guy on the other side of the car saying, I want to be in that car because that's where all the fun is. <laughs> well, you know what? It, it, I try to take fun with me. You know, no matter where you go, if you're going to be there and you're going to put in your time, have a good time doing it. And I had a good time talking to both of you, you know, about your show and about um, 
your past histories and that kind of stuff. And I hope that gives listeners that don't always know what it's like when you're not in the gear, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, they're, they're real people behind those things. Or are they? A conundrum. <laughs> Bob's a lot of people. <laughs> is it really Bob or is it Drac just using a human shell as a disguise? I the world so. might never know. Uh-huh. <laughs> but thank you both. Well, thank you, Steve. Thank you. And I don't know. Do you want to use your? Do you want to do um, your line as Drac to take us out? Oh, that's right. Hey, we hope you enjoyed the show. We'll see you next time. And until then, remember, fly, fly right. right. <laughs> Hello, everybody. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Stephanie and Bob. Uh, had a. Uh, <laughs> I've enjoyed meeting them many times over the years at the Monster Bash, as I said earlier. And um, they're nice, good people, and they're friends of mine. So I hope you enjoyed that, and I hope you turn into or tune into Transylvania tonight to listen to their show and watch their show and enjoy it as much as I do. Just to remind everybody, please leave us feedback at diecastmoviepodcast at gmail.com or on our Facebook page. And our next episode coming up, I'll be talking about a movie with Ansel Farage. We're going to be doing the movie Black Narcissus. The um, the one, not the miniseries, but the movie that came out in, I think, the late 40s. So feel free if you want to watch it ahead of time before we discuss the movie, because when we discuss it, we'll probably be spoiling some things about it. But another thing Ansel has coming out real soon is his new movie, Todd Tarantula. And you're going to hear him and Nate Wilson talk about that movie and a couple other movies that they've done in the past as we exit the show with them discussing what they've done in the past and have coming out in the future. Everybody, everybody has a good day. Bye. Hi, I'm Ansel Farage. And I'm Nathan Wilson. And, and we're, we're independent, independent filmmakers. filmmakers. Check out our folk horror film Loon Lake starring David Selby. Streaming now on Tubi TV. And we also have a love story in Venice Beach called Will and Liz. Also streaming on Tubi TV. And our new film, Todd Tarantula, A Mystery of Psychedelic Proportions. Streaming on Vimeo On Demand and coming very soon to Prime Video and DVD. You Please can, check them out. They're a lot of fun and we think you'll enjoy them. You can check out everything at hollandsworthproductions.com. They're all available on streaming and on Blu-ray and DVD. We hope you enjoy. Enjoy.